When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Uh, of course, it's the county championship beginning this weekend and it's minus two. Well, it feels like it today anyway. Uh, and uh, that's always what happens. You get that lovely balmy March and then April and anybody fielding at Gully, Simon. Oh, oh my God. You know, those sliced shots off sort of half volleys at Gully with those cold hands... Not much fun. That was the thing I hated about playing cricket most, was fielding in the slips in April, and if you have a quick bowler, and the batsman slicing the ball away, and the ball flying head height, and you, you felt duty-bound to try to catch it, and invariably, you, you know, you chip a finger or something, or you get a bruise right in the joint of your finger. Horrible. Oh, well, That's why are... it's great to be a wicket-keeper. I think it's great yeah, to be a wicket-keeper at this point. time of year. Very good point. Yeah, because you can really wrap up, and you've got those gloves on. Six uh, games in the Championship, three in the First Division, three in the Second. That I suppose you'd pick uh, Hampshire against Essex as the, the highlight, really, the return to county cricket of Alistair Cook, although, of course, he did actually play last summer for Essex a little bit at the end of the season but Sir Alistair Cook mm. now of course uh, playing for Essex I think it'll be his first outing as a knight for, well, for he, Essex Well he played some warm up games yes, hasn't he? but officially in yeah, the county championship yeah. so, so that'll be interesting um, by the way just to mention the, the Cricketer magazine is previewing of course all the county fixtures and all the, the, the county programme uh, this month and you can get Three free issues of the Cricketer magazine. If you go to the cricketer.com forward slash free trial, it's our big bumper issue with, of course, the free wall chart as well, the colour-coded wall chart, which helps you to navigate the season. Uh, so try, try and subscribe to that. Uh, free issues. Can't really, can't really argue with that, can you? you? Now, Alistair Cook will be arriving sometime this weekend at the crease at the Aegeus Bowl, but will he get a reception like this? Some guesses as to who that might have been coming out to bat. It's not you, is it? <laughs> imagine, just imagine. MS Dhoni, of course, it was coming out to bat in Chennai. I've just been at the IPL for for ten days, as of course eleven England cricketers have been and still are. Uh, and I was following the Rajasthan Royals around. We've got three of uh, England's likely lads for the World Cup this summer, as well as. Steve Smith from Australia as well. So it's been quite an interesting education following them around. But, I mean, there's no-one who, who can grandstand it like Dhoni. And the Chennai, you know, with the faithful all in yellow, all bellowing at the top of their voices and obviously blowing whistles as well, it was absolutely deafening. A sort of bone-shattering reception that he got. And the most incredible thing about Dhoni... With all that expectation and all that history and all that the, the razzmatazz around him, hype around him, 
he still delivers. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You no, know, I mean, it was one of those things. I, I remember once watching Michael Jordan, the great basketball player, playing for the Chicago Bulls in an era when he was the most supreme, or one of the most supreme sportsmen in the world. And what they would do, the Chicago Bulls, it was 82 all with, say, 40 seconds to go in the match. And they'd give the ball to Jordan at, say, 20 seconds to go on the clock. And for the first... Ten of those seconds, he'd be just bouncing the ball casually, just you know knocking it around, not doing much. And then as the counter kind of got to about eight and seven, he would just knit down the left-hand side of the court, float underneath the basket, do that kind of amazing jump and hang time, they called it, didn't they? And he'd plop the ball into the basket, <clears throat> off would go the klaxon, mm. end of the game. Mm. Two points, they win. And the incredible thing about Jordan was everybody knew what he was going to do but everybody was powerless to stop him. And I think that is the same about Dhoni. Dhoni there, in that match against the Royals, sort of took his time, played a nice innings, but nothing kind of absolutely devastating. I, I was commenting on you think, you know, come on, you, you, you've got to get on with it. You, you, you've got to move this, otherwise you're just not going to get enough Did runs. you notice, by the way, he changed his bat every four overs from one make to another? It was quite interesting. No, I didn't From a Surridge that. to, I think, a Vampire. So completely, two completely different makes of bat... And every four overs he changed it. I noticed in the last game he didn't, actually. But I wondered whether it was to do with playing spin and playing pace. But it wasn't, actually. So, obviously, some kind of contractual arrangement he had there. But anyway, he got to the last over. And I was actually sat with the Rajasthan Royals owner, Manoj Badali. And he said, right, if we get Dhoni out here, we're in business. Uh, can see 12 off the last over. We'll be OK. If he cuts loose, we've lost. How many did he get? 28. Off the last over. He scored 60 off the last three overs in that match. I mean, some of those shots were just... He had no no way that he could hit those balls for six, which he did. He had no right to. And he managed to muscle it over the line so many times. And you could see bowlers wilting in, in his shadow, really. He did have some luck very early on, though, when yes. he, he played on to Joffre Archer and the ball rolled back onto his middle stump. Quite true. And it did not dislodge the bales, which is, as we all know, is, is not out, which always seems a bit unfair, actually, if you actually hit the stumps as a bowler. Um, it, and, but if the bells don't come, come off, then it's not out. So he, he did have some luck, but it, it was a remarkable innings. He, of course, he can't do it every time, but it was, it, 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 that inning just summed him up, didn't it? I mean, that, that slow, mm. slow reconnaissance, because they lost three wickets in the power play as well, and then cut loose, got enough runs, and won the match. Yeah, and they only won the match by, in the end, about ten runs. The last over started, Ben Stokes was on strike. They wanted 12 of the last over, and Stokes on strike. He got out of the first ball. We mentioned Joffre Archer, actually, and Ben Stokes, and we're going to hear from them in a short while, both of them, because you've spoken to them in India. Yeah, so I've spent a bit of time with the Royals, actually, partly to finish my book on the IPL and the the whole reason for its amazing success, both on and off the field. So I spent a, a week with the Royals, Royals players, uh, sort of just sort of seeing how they orientate their day, actually, and how they prepare for the game, and you know what, what what's life like on the road with a, an IPL team, and it's it's actually quite an interesting experience because there is actually a lot of time, of course, because the match doesn't start until eight o'clock at night, so on a day even when there is a game, quite often they won't get up until eleven, and then they'll have a latish breakfast, and there'll be some meetings and you know maybe a little bit of light training in the afternoon or a pool session or a gym session or something but then they'll head off to the match at six usually with a police escort which is quite funny 
a bit of a sort of wacky races kind of experience going through the, the traffic, miles of, of road to, to cover for, to the ground, but all kind of cordoned off, but still a lot of weaving around obstacles and things like that. Cows don't necessarily recognise the uh, police escort, so, you know, there's a little bit of navigating to do. And then you get to the ground, and obviously they, they do their warm-ups and, and then play their match. And it sort of goes a bit from being this calm... Uh, kind of quite sort of isolated existence in the hotel where there's no one much around and the, it's sort of cool. They spend the whole time in, in the hotel. They do really. I so, mean, they've got a team room. So and... the whole the whole season is spent mm. in a in a hotel. Yes. They don't they don't go home at any time. I know the overseas players uh, can't go home. They'll, they'll just be living in a hotel. Or do they give them an apartment? Say, you know, if you play for Mumbai, you can have an apartment. Or if you no, they, play... they live in a hotel and and, and they're lovely hotels. Mm. You know, they're you know luxurious, but. They have a team room, which I think is a good idea. Certainly the Royals have a big room which has, you know, table tennis and pool and obviously the Xbox and all that. So they they sort of mingle in there. But a lot of the day, I, I, I mean, actually, they need to stay together because for a couple of reasons, really. I mean, one is because there are, you know, the bowlers will have a little meeting to discuss the match, either a post-discussion or, or a pre-discussion. Uh, the coaches get together with the team analyst and plan different things. So I've seen the graphics that they, they will show the bowlers to, say, bowl at Dhoni, they'll bowl. The, their plan will be to bowl bouncers, uh, back of a length, or, or wide yorkers or something like that. So they'll be trying to try just coax the bowlers into remembering various little plans and look at graphics and look at some clips of that batsman and where he's strong, where he's weak. So... For all those reasons, plus they'll do a little loosening up, warm-up session in the pool, maybe. Um, so they need to sort of be together. And yet it's not a very demanding day before the match, but it sort of goes from one extreme, this calm sort of presence in, in the hotel, to suddenly madness of 50,000 people yelling at them in the ground. Mm. I think that probably takes a bit of managing. The other thing as well is that you know, the game's finished late, and then that game uh, last Sunday finished at something like quarter past midnight yes. it, it, it took an awfully long time to play uh, mainly because the, the, the dew was a big factor wasn't it um, and Donny like, likes to sort of take his time and set field and all that so you're absolutely right and you get to the back to the hotel after the presentation and stuff get back at one o'clock in the morning if not later and, you're, and, yeah. you're, and presumably you're, you're dreaming, buzzing. buzzing around your body so as then well. they, they cordon off an area in the hotel probably the hotel bar just for the team and coaches and, and so on a few hangers on and uh, like me and uh, you, you, they're up till three or four in the morning yeah. just sort of winding down chewing over the game, which actually I think is quite a nice thing to do because quite often you don't do that when you're on county duty, you've got another game to go to or it's late at night or after you've got home or whatever. So I, I think actually talking about the game is something that happens more at the IPL than probably a lot of other places, mm. a lot of other tournaments. And maybe the big bash they do, but certainly these T20 tournaments, because they start in the evening, there's a lot of time to kill. And I think that's where a lot of the ingenuity of T20 sort of comes from. I mean, I saw, for instance, uh, after one game, Joss Butler chatting to A.B. de Villiers, his hero. He said to us on this programme, actually, that, that his idol is A.B. de Villiers, and he hasn't really ever had much chance to talk to him. There was a golden opportunity after a game, chatting away and sort of exchanging ideas. So it is a sort of like a cricketing conference, almost. Mm. And you've had the chance to speak to Ben Stokes. Yes. Uh, so Ben uh, has is obviously out playing for the Royals for the second year. And, you know, it's an interesting year, really, because... 
obviously he's had this kind of recalculating, recalibrating his his year last year after that suspension, and hasn't quite regained his mojo, has he? I mean, he's done some decent stuff, but nothing to really you know excite you particularly. Uh, you know, he's been a solid performer. He's put in loads. I mean, what's amazing about him is the energy. You know, racing around in the outfield. Mm. I saw him and Steve Smith practicing one night. Practiced for two hours in the middle. You know, hitting balls with a sort of middle wicket practice. And it was like being a fireworks display in the middle of the night, sort of eight o'clock at night. These balls, white balls flying out into the sky, kept hitting six after six after six. And it was an amazing sight. So definitely no loss of lack of effort from Stokes. But what I really asked him was, he's just signed a a three-year extension for Durham, which is great news for Durham. But, of course, there's no chance of him actually playing for Durham because he's he's playing in the the IPL, then the World Cup. There's no four-day cricket between the World Cup and the Ashes, Mm. for Durham anyway. So, you know, his chances of playing for Durham are limited. But like many of his colleagues... He's seized on the opportunity to come and play in the IPL. And I just asked him what was the real draw towards it. You get to play against the world's, you know, the the, the other best players in the world. And you get exposure into high-pressure situations um, against all types of different players. You know, whether you're batting or you're bowling, you you face, you know, um, so much, so many variables in terms of actions or... Um, skill levels, and you, as I say, you get exposed to it, and um, you don't. I don't think you get that in any other competition. And you know, it makes things like sort of the World Cups when they come together and you're a part of it. You, you've got experience against these guys because you played against them in the IPL or with them or with them exactly. And, and you get to, you know, I, I spent a year at Pune with Dhoni, so I got to pick his brains about how he, you know, goes about setting totals or. Um, you know, chasing them down, and um, you know that stuff's you know pretty invaluable. What about the uh, the intensity of it? It, it? I mean, Joffre Archer said, for instance, that it's the closest thing he's experienced to international cricket because of the the crowds and the expectation and the attention, really. Yeah, I mean, look, it's cricket is a religion in India, and every franchise has a huge following, um, and he sometimes sort of can forget if you're playing home and away just because of how much they love you know cricket and the amount of cheering that goes on when either side hits a six or a wicket's taken it's there's a deafening when you're out there and um, it is very full on very very full on you know this is our third game in five days tonight um, so you know the traveling is um, there's another thing that you've got to add to that uh, you know it was a four or five hour travel day yesterday with two flights you know the day after a game and the day before a game so it can um, it can get to you but um, it's a brilliant competition to be a part of and it is probably the closest thing to international cricket. Do you enjoy it? I love it, yeah. It's brilliant. Um, you know, it must, you... I mean, it look, I, I'm very envious, having never sort of... I've been to India many times, but never played at that level. And it just looks like it's a celebration of the game, in a way. It is, yeah. And, um, you know, obviously there's... You know, being a part of the IPL is brilliant, but there's also some things that you have to do that you don't necessarily... Um, like so I'm I find it very hard to do all the sponsorship stuff purely because it's so far outside of my comfort zone you know you get asked to do um, certain things which comes a lot easier to um, certain people you know dancing being one of them um, pulling 
you know, funny faces or um, recreating emotion that they see from us on the pitch, I find it very, very difficult. Um, you know, that's the one thing that you know I find very tough is um, is getting my head round that you're basically obviously here to play cricket, but you're also at the sponsors' peril for the whole time you're here. And I suppose, in a way, that's the disadvantage of having so much time. You know that. It, it, it quite, must be quite hard managing your time because you've got a long period of the day before the actual game in which you could end up hitting thousands of balls, but maybe that's not the best way of approaching it. No, I mean, the games are obviously 8 o'clock starts, most of them, so um, I've just stayed on English time. You know, I've been going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning and waking up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so you've been up about half an hour, have you? Yeah, I've been up about 45 <laughs> minutes before we start speaking here. So, um, you know, it is, it is a strange way of living for a couple of weeks, going to bed so late, waking up so late. But if the game's starting at 8 o'clock, you almost don't want to get up too early and then sort of be a little bit too, too tired once the game starts. What about for you, um, the money side of it, financially? You, obviously, you bought for a lot of money. D does that have an impact? Do you feel a responsibility? For that, or do you try and put that out of your mind? Uh, I just try and put that out of my mind. You know, I just I take responsibility from trying to win games for the team. You know, whatever I'm playing for. Um, you know, that's what that's what drives me as a cricketer is contributing towards the team, team winning. You know, if I came here with, you know, obviously the money that I've gone for over the last three years, I was always going to leave with the same amount, no matter how well I did or how poorly I did. But what I really take home with me is how. I left the place, you know, what people say, everyone knowing that I've given 100% and not just sort of came here for a free ride and, you know, just sort of gone through the motions. Um, so I think that's what, that is the big driving point and it's what keeps me very level-headed, I think. So that was Ben Stokes sitting by the pool, of course, which is why you had that background noise. Apologies for that. And uh, it was interesting to hear him talk about the, the, the fiscal side because there must be a pressure when you're being paid $1.8 million to play for a team. You must feel the uh, responsibility to deliver. And I think he does, actually, even though he, he says he puts it out of his mind. I know that underneath he feels that he does owe the franchise something from, you know, just his reputation and, and all that. So what's impressive is he decided last year completely impartially, that he wanted to give some money to charity in India. He'd seen how, you know, people live and the, the, the difficulties of life for many Indians. And so he decided that he wanted to give quite a large sum of money, particularly after the stories that came out in Rajasthan about these terrible sandstorms that, that killed a lot of people and ruined a lot of people's homes and so on. He wanted to give something back. So he told me all about that. I think you can take for granted, you know, how, how easy we have it compared to other people, you know. Um, even growing up, you know, we didn't have sort of any, too many worries in the world. And then when I found out what happened with the um, sandstorm last year and how badly it affected, you know, people who, who had nothing to start with, uh, it sort of made me really put things into perspective. You know, I'm coming out here to India for six weeks, seven weeks. I'm earning this amount of money to do something that I love. Um, you know, half the people who've been affected are, are probably fans of the sport that I love doing so I just wanted to sort of give something back and you know people try and give give that back to people who are much less fortunate than what we are and I'm going there tomorrow to to see what the money I've um, donated to is 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 going to be helping out um, you know this child slavery and, and all this kind of things that is 
you know, really sad thing to see, especially in Jaipur. So, you know, I'm hoping that it, it makes a big difference. So that's an impressive uh, effort by, by Ben Stokes. He popped down to this uh, charity this week uh, to see what the work that he was paying for was. Uh, I'm sure that was really interesting. Playing-wise, how's he going? I, I'm disappointed with his bowling, actually. I think generally he's bowled too short and he's going for too many runs, and he will admit that himself. His bowling isn't quite right at the moment. It's, again, no lack of effort. So tell me, as a bowler, this, this is always fascinates me about bowlers. They say, oh, he's bowling too short. He told, no, uh, actually, if you, And if you, too wide as yeah, well. So... so why are you, why are bowlers not able to do something about that then? And and okay, I'm bowling too short. I must pitch it up. Well, a bit I think more. in his case, he's got a slight technical thing which he's tried to correct, which is because his arm is almost beyond the vertical, so it sort of comes from eleven o'clock, not as bad as it used to, because he's done some correction on it, but it still comes from slightly beyond the vertical, and you feel that technically, when you bowl the ball on leg stump from that position it sometimes veers down the leg side. If you aim sort of middle and leg, because of the, the, the angle that it's coming from, it goes down the leg side. And then you try and overcorrect by saying, well, I can't bowl down the leg side, you get wided. So you try and find an alternative line, and that is slightly too wide outside off, and it just stays out there rather than angling in. I think that's his issue, is he... He doesn't get the line. If you've got a Glenn McGrath or an Angus Fraser or, uh, I don't know, Vernon Philander, someone like that, Jimmy Anderson, their arm is bolt up like Chris Wokes, a good example. Very high arm, perfect position. If they aim at off stump, it goes to off stump. But Ben, because of his slight kink in his action, if he aims at middle and leg, it goes down the leg side. And if he aims outside off stump, it seems to go wider outside off stump. He can't quite find that happy medium. And because he tends to bowl a little bit short of a length, he does give batsmen a bit too much width. Batting-wise, he's looking pretty good. I thought he was going to see the Royals home in that game against uh, the Dhoni Chennai Super Kings. And he got out from a clever bit of bowling by Bravo. But he was starting to really nail the ball. And yeah. his fielding... I talked to Steve Smith one night about his sort of energy levels and his contribution. He said, I've never seen anybody run so much mm. and hurl the ball in with so much vigour and commitment. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. It's compelling to watch. Yeah, He made 46 in that match. His only significant contribution so far. And with the ball, you're right. I mean, he has gone around the park a bit. He's been going at sort of tens, if mm. not more, in, in, in some of the matches. What I wonder about him, actually, is whether T20 is actually his strongest suit. I was, I was working with James Foster the other day, and he, he said he felt that you know, he, was, he was good in all three. Of course he is. He's a, he's, a, you know, he's a star performer. But he felt that test cricket actually was, his, in a way, his, where he can show his skills off the most. I think, because he, I think he's better with the red ball because he can make it move. He can swing it both ways, and that makes him more effective. Anyway, we'll hear a little bit more from Ben Stokes in a minute because we're actually going to talk about Joffre Archer and what he thinks of him and hear from Archer as well. We've talked a bit about Ben Stokes' bowling so far in the IPL. What about Jofra Archer? He's played four matches. I mean, watching him, you just feel this bloke is so supremely talented. It's it's a bit like when you're watching bowling, he's what, four spells so far, or four, he's contributed in four innings. Two of them, he's only gone for 17, which is it's pretty good effort for a pace ball. I think with this, you, you feel that spinners in in the IPL, especially the, the mystery spinners, the leg break bowlers, they you know you you wouldn't be surprised if they took two for 15 off their four overs. Pace bowlers, not not so 
easy for them, mainly I think because they're bowling at tougher times. Either they're bowling right at the death, or they're right. They might bowl the sixth over, which is often targeted, or they might be bowling at the start. But Archer. Uh, it's astounding to watch him sometimes. He looks so difficult to get away when he gets it right. It's a bit like watching those sort of uh, catapults, those medieval catapults that sort of knock off the top of a castle. Mm. It, 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 it's fantastic. doesn't always get it right, though. Mm. Uh, inevitably, I suppose. He's only 24 years of age. He's still uh, learning his craft. Yeah. I, I was stood in the bar with, uh, with him and the, the Royals bowling coach, Stephen Jones, a former Somerset and other counties past bowler, and I said to them, you know, how does he bowl that quick? And neither of them knew. Even Joffre doesn't really know. Because he just he sort of just ambles it's in. It's very languid, yeah. and, isn't it? and it's all in the arm. We think it's to do with long levers. He's tall. You know, he's quite a sort of... Uh, he's probably six foot two, and seems to have very long arms somehow. Or maybe they're just thin, I don't know. But there must be a combination of, of long levers and also perhaps a bit of hyperextension, maybe a bit of wrist in there as well that, that get, get, gets him that pace. And... He's so talented. Just just watching him handle the the different situations he bowls in. He has to bowl in the power play. He has to bowl at the death, and he just sort of seems you know very phlegmatic. He seems to be able to sort of take it all in his stride. And so I asked Ben Stokes, who's obviously seen Archer at close quarters both this year and last at the IPL, what he thought of him. He's one of the most naturally gifted bowlers I've ever seen. Everything comes so easy to him, and he picks he picks things up so so quickly. And teams, other teams know that. You can tell by the way that play, uh, the teams recently played him. They haven't looked to go after him unless they've completely had to because they know how how much skill he has. They're respectful of him. Aren't very they? respectful, and he's raw, very raw. But as I say, I, I don't think I've seen such a naturally gifted bowler ever. So Ben Ben Stokes is obviously no doubt about about Archer's ability. Um, uh, I think that. Sometimes um, he bowls slower balls when he should be bowling quick. If you talk to somebody like Raul Dravid mm. about having a quick bowler in your T20 team, he says, I just want them to bowl quick. Mm. I just want them to bowl quick. Don't worry about the slower balls too much. Just give me some pace. And sometimes perhaps Archer tries to be a bit too clever, especially, actually, if it's Dewey and you bowl a slower ball, it skids off the pitch. The slowness doesn't have any effect. It just gives the batsman more time to see it. So it's a learning process when to bowl these balls, but his his ability to nail the Yorkers consistently is very impressive. And, you know, he told me he can also bowl left-arm spin. <laughs> really? Yeah. He can actually bowl quite respectable left-arm spin. The guy is, you know, ridiculously talented. It's... It's obscene, really, that someone should have that that amount of talent. So, anyway, I, I thought I just I caught up with him in the, the the team room, and I just sort of asked him really about how he feels about bowling those overs in those sort of critical situations. We did a stat, and it said over six is probably one of the hardest overs in the game. Obviously, it's the last over the power play. Everyone wants to get that final extra push, so it's it's been proven <laughs> that it is. So I usually bowl four and six, and then my other two either come come between fifteen to twenty. It's kind of a bit flattering that those are the only overs you bowl. The captain, well, the captain goes to you for those difficult overs more often than not. So it's a, it's a good feeling really to know that you are constantly being called on to to do that job. Is there anything that you like to focus on in particular? What's is there anything that you think? Mm. Could just do that a bit better. 
The only part of my game that I can think of that leaves a little bit of worry is my wide yorkers. Um, never really had the need to really. The straight ones are fine, and then I can change the pace. But I guess eventually, as cricket goes on, I'd, I'd like to, to, to have that in, in, my, in my arsenal, hopefully. We're in your team room here. You can hear people playing table tennis and, mm -hmm. and snooker and pool and stuff in the, in the background. It, it feels like there's a... There's a special feeling about the Royals, isn't there? Can you sort of put that into perspective a bit? Is it like a family almost? It is a family. Um, we're in the team room now. Uh, it's, it's probably this is our escape, really. There's a projector. You can watch the game or whatever game's on in here at the time. Uh, you can come in here. You can order food. This is literally an extension of your room, pretty much. Um, very seldom you'll be in here alone. Even if you are alone, someone else will be in here within the next five minutes. So you're always going to have someone to interact with. So yeah, it's really good to, to have this. And well, I've never been in another IPL team, but I know that there's not a lot of teams that are better than this. And actually, uh, you, you've got the opportunity to play a few different sports here. So how are you at the, at the pool and the table tennis? I'm pretty all right. Uh, there's FIFA there as well. Uh, okay, you're good at that? So you're good at FIFA, right? <laughs> yeah, I've taken everyone down so far. Um, but I, I need to, to, to keep topping up on the pool. Um, pretty all right on table tennis, but I need to, to top up on the pool. So you were in the games room there, games of table tennis going on in the background. You didn't take anyone on, did you? <laughs> My kids beat me, so no, I wouldn't dare. But by the way, we should just say that I didn't want to talk to him about the World Cup because I was sort of advised that he was trying to just stay in the present and didn't want to tempt fate or preempt anything. He wasn't sure he was going to get called up for the World Cup or the England one-day side, so we didn't talk about that. So deliberately, uh, I didn't sort of try and pressurise him into that, uh, that that sort of area because at the moment he's just concentrating on, on doing his best for the IPL team. Uh, are we expecting too much of him? He is 24. He's, for example, he's only played 14 mm. list-day games, and we're talking about him playing for England against Pakistan, or almost certainly in that one-day series that comes up before the World Cup and possibly playing in the World Cup itself. Um, but are we expecting too much of him at this age? Possibly. He's He's got something special. You see the way the top Indian players respect him. They don't try and take liberties with him. Bert Dhoni, for instance, he nearly got him out, didn't he? Bold mm. ball went onto the stumps and didn't take the bails off. He gave David Warner some hurry-up as well in a game where Warner was absolutely dominant, was decimating the other bowlers, and he was certainly hurrying Warner. And Bairstow played him with respect as well. So... The, the, the top players know his threat. What I would worry about is your point about the number of 50-over games he's played in that, you know, it's all very well in a 20-over game where you're sort of expecting to be hit and, you know, you sort of be philosophical. And he is hit a bit as well. Yeah. I mean, let's be yeah. fair, he does yeah. get... He does yeah. bother well, tight spells, well, but he does get hit as well. Everybody gets a bit hit, don't they, in, in T20. You've got to be able to deal with that. How he deals with 50-over cricket where you bowl four overs, and you might go for 30, perhaps, if you don't get it quite right. Then you've got to come back mm. a bit later, and you've got to hold your head up high and get on with it. I don't know how he will deal with that, because at the moment he's quite a sort of languid, uh, casual, sort of cool, chill-out sort of character who don't, you don't think he... It doesn't look as if he gets fired up particularly, and I think sometimes, as a fast bowler, when you've had... A, a bit of adversity you need to be fired up not excessively so that you get carried away and get the red mist or anything but just you need to just get that bit of sort of grit in between your teeth and really 
try and get 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 your own back and get back into the game. And that will be the the area where I'm not sure whether he's got that ability or not. He probably has, but we haven't really got much evidence to go on. Well, what he, what he seems to me to have though is that potential to take wickets when you need a wicket because you know because he's got that pace because he can bowl that Yorker because he's he's just got that something about him and, and I remember go back to an interview I did with Owen Morgan in, in Sri Lanka I said well, you know, what do you what would you like to have what's missing from this one day team they just won the one day series in Sri Lanka if there's something you, is there something you're missing and he said oh, well, I'd, you know, I'd love to have a 90 mile an hour fast bowler I think well yeah, well, hold on a second. Now there is one, isn't there? I mean, there's, there's Joffre Archer. So are they are they going to pick him for the World Cup? I mean, it's, it seems as if they, it seems as if they are. I think if I was the England selectors, I would definitely pick him in the World Cup squad. I mean, you want a bit of evidence from the England Pakistan series first, but unless anything goes horribly wrong, I'd put him in the squad. I wouldn't necessarily play him in the first couple of games. Well, you though. don't have to. You don't have to play him in all the games. No, I mean, they're going to no. have. There's going to have. You think there has to be a little bit of rotation because the the relative intensity of the tournament. You know, everyone playing everyone over. So, that for instance, I might not play him against India because the Indians have seen him. For instance, whereas I, I might a little bit depends on the pitch and who you know who the opposition are and so on. But I'd sort of pick and choose when I played him. But I think he'll be a, an X factor for England in the World Cup. And England are going to be picking their World Cup squad. They have to do it by the 23rd of, of April. But just to reiterate, it's not set in stone. They can still make changes after that, right up until about around about the 23rd of May, 24th of May. So they they don't actually have to include him in their World Cup squad straight away they can still draft him in after having a look at him in the Pakistan series so we'll we'll know pretty soon uh, how England's selectors are thinking but they, they've said they're going to they play him in that Pakistan series, so he'll, he'll be in that squad, and they'll, they'll get a chance to to have a look at him. I mean, one of the things I wonder about is what it's what criteria they will use to see whether he's worth a World Cup spot or not. You know, what what has he got to do in the the two, well, I, three, I or four or five matches that he plays? Take wickets for one thing, and command respect from batsmen and be able to bowl his 10 overs and, and bowl his 10 overs effectively and sort of understand the different situations that he bowls in, which I think he will because he's, he's a smart kid. He reads the game pretty well. So that's a, a, a bit of a sort of overview of the IPL for you. By the way, Josh Butler's going pretty well too in that tournament. And so, so is Sam Curran. I tell you what we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about the Mancad, have we? We, 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 oh haven't, we, haven't, we haven't done a podcast since the, no, the Mancad right. happened. True. Uh, I saw Josh Butler um, saying actually today... It's never going to happen to me again. I'm never going to let it happen to me again. Well, I actually have to say that's what you should have done after the. Because you're, you're quite, you're uh, quite sort of almost pro the mankad, aren't you? You think batsmen should be penalised if they're trying to steal an advantage? Well, well, even even Butler said that today. He said, you know, clearly the, the law has to be there to stop batsmen being, you know, halfway down the pitch. <laughs> Listen, this is my this is my viewpoint yeah. on on it. It is more about. It's not so much about the bowler's morality. It's about your approach to your own. Wicket, i.e., as a batsman, don't allow the bowler to be in a position to do that to you. If that's how they want to play the game, if you feel it's you know it's it's inside the spirit of the game or outside the spirit, of the game, whatever you think, don't just don't allow them to to mm. to, to do it. Mm. Stay inside your crease. Make sure you're inside your crease until the till the ball has been delivered. If you do that, then you've got no problems at all. You no one else's morality is going to impinge on you. In fact. The, the one thing I've, I've, I've always I've thought about it with, with Butler, especially the incident at, at um, more the incident at Edgbaston, because th- this one was 
slightly more questionable, wasn't it, about the laws, whether he actually was technically out or not. Um, what I thought about Edgbaston, if, if I'd been Josh Butler walking off Edgbaston against Sri Lanka, the person I'd have been furious with is myself mm. for for giving up my wicket I think in that he circumstance. Was. I, think, I think he not, was. Not with the... OK, you can be unhappy with Sri Lanka or Sennike if you want to, but really, you need to be unhappy with yourself because you, you gave them that opportunity, so don't allow them that opportunity. And, and I've, I've changed my mind on this a bit because, you know, there's a lot of laughter every time during an IPL game at the start of it on the big screen. They play the MCC, Spirit of Cricket, mm. and all the captains say, we're going to abide by the Spirit of Cricket, including Ashwin. He comes up on the screen saying, yes, we're going to but abide no one knows by the what rules. The, what is the Spirit no, of Cricket? Sure, <laughs> But I think that the so I think you know mancadding is terrible actually, but also it's in the cricketing culture that batsmen walk up the pitch as the bowler bowls. Well, why? It's it's a sort of MCC coaching manual kind of cliche, really, from many years ago when we were all at school. The, the teacher says, "Bat, don't forget to back up as a bowler bowls." Well, why? Why should you back up? Actually, you should stay in your ground until the ball's let go. Well, you can sort of back up. You can have forward momentum, but you only you only leave the crease after the, the ball one has problem been del- delivered. That, that's right, and and then you could say, well, you need to watch. To, to make sure the bowler lets go of it. But actually, in the modern game, particularly with the power of modern batsmen, it's impossible to be able to keep an eye on the bowler f- at the side and then suddenly turn your eye straight to the other end. And you, you might get one coming straight back at you almost immediately. So I, I sympathise for the batsmen at the non-strikers in having to try and watch if the bowler's let go of the ball. But I think they're going to have to try and make sure... They don't leave their ground as early mm. as they've been taught to. Yeah. I mean, I like Stuart Broad's point. I think it's a good one, which is uh, it doesn't take any skill to take a wicket by man-cadding someone. And I, I, I accept that. And I, although I, I think I don't, th- I don't technically see anything wrong with the mad man-cad. It's not something that I, you know, I would have done. I would all, hey, if I'd been playing in any game, you'd always give a warning. Say, Look, come on, you're out of your crease the whole time. You're stealing runs. And so it would have been a real, real last resort. That's how I see it. But just, you know, take responsibility as, as, a as the non-striker Cer- to be in your ground. Certainly uh, the, the Royals players and coaching staff were very... Because I said, well, after the game, I said, well, the best way of getting back at Ashwin is do it to him. And they said, no way, mm. we're not. We're not doing that. We're not stooping to that level. Mm. So, you know, it's, so it's, weird, though, it's different it? interpretations. It's isn't so it? weird about, you know, what stooping to a level means. Because, you know, it, yeah. some but, countries think it's perfectly okay just to be in someone's ear all day, you know, yak, 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 yak. That's, that's okay. Uh, you know, there's those, there are those lines where we don't cross a line. You know, some countries say that. And then other countries say, no, no, oh, yeah, I've just nicked, I've just nicked it to second slip, but I'm staying because I think I can get away with it. You know, or someone's. Stuart Broad. <laughs> or, so, you know, someone's played just short of backward point and, and they, they know they've caught it, but I reckon with the technology. I might get away with that. There might be a bit of doubt, so I'll stay. You know, it's it, it's it's a whole it's a it's whole a minefield. Mur- it's a murky area of morality or immorality or whatever. And or there's, amorality. There, there's cricket sort of holding itself <laughs> up as the as a fine model of virtue, and it's all a total myth, isn't it? Looking back at the, the history of the game, it's all set up to be a, a, a place for gamblers in the, in the 1800s. So, you know, there's, nothing's changed, really. No. There's always going to be different interpretations for these laws. As with many things in life, Yosa, there are many myths around. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to um, all the lads who are playing in the county championship this weekend. There's been some runs already against the universities, and lots up for grabs with uh, test places Absolutely. to play for. Not until July, of course, but still. Uh, I noticed James Vince is already in the runs, Sam Northeast. 
uh, obviously Alistair Cook. Uh, so, you know, lots to play for. Um, just, guys, make sure you keep warm, I suppose. Absolutely. Good luck to you all, and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.